Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. And welcome back to the Exxon, everyone. I am Rob McConnell, and we're coming to you from our brand new studios and corporate offices in Crystal Beach, Ontario, Canada. If you would like to uh, send me an email, it's exxon at exxonradiotv.com on all social media sites, Exxon Radio TV. And for all the programming we have available for you, 724-365 on the Exxon Broadcast Network, visit www.xzbn.net. My guest tonight is Wilbur Allen, and uh, he is an engineer inventor and is no strangers to UFO encounters. An alien encounter in the United Kingdom at the age of fifth, at the age of five, left him face to face with a group of gray ETs. He is a former White House Air Force uh, One engineer for ABC News and contact photographer. I'm sure, sorry, contract photographer at National Geographic. If you'd like to get more information about Wilbur, visit his Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash UFODC. And Wilbur, welcome back to the Exxon. Great having you with us. Thanks for having me back, Rob. Uh, Wilbur, for those listeners who may be listening to you for the first time, uh, tell us a little bit more about yourself and that encounter that you had in the United Kingdom at the very young age of five years old. I am, I am the product of the U.S. Air Force, and my parents were uh, U.S. Air Force personnel, which mm -hmm. happened to work with nuclear weapons, and we were stationed at a RAF United States Air Force base in the United Kingdom called RAF Sculthorpe, and at RAF Sculthorpe, uh, I awoke to a room full of uh, small extraterrestrials in silver spacesuits, and that's wow. how everything got started for me. Since that time, going back to the United Kingdom, when, when you were just a young lad of five years old, have you had encounters since then? I, I and it was kind of strange, the mm -hmm. extraterrestrials that showed up in England um, showed up at every base my father was stationed at as I was a child. So I would, um, you know, obviously on in base housing, would right. be sent to bed, and in each of the homes that I lived in, on each of the military bases, the extraterrestrials showed up. Do you think they were following you? Oh, they are following me. Um, right now, based, based on my research, and mm -hmm. my, my PhD was built upon um, advanced Hubble technology, and I created a Hubble technology that's extremely advanced, and my data shows without a doubt that these objects that I saw as a child, which were streaks of light, are now continuously over my home on a nightly basis. Uh, I understand that you have forensic uh, proof of ETs being here. Yes. What kind of proof do you have? I've got, um, first let's look at forensics associated to um, extraterrestrial objects that were initially documented in the early 1960s. In 1960, 
Roman ground tracking satellite technology during Project Echo documented an anomaly which was following the Echo satellite, which they described as a large streak of light in the sky which spanned from one state to another, which essentially was saying that they saw a spacecraft that was possibly hundreds of miles long. But that object that Grumman documented in 1960 and possibly the objects that I was seeing since I was a child are the mm -hmm. same object. And I've got 2,800 samples of this object in Ultra HD 4K showing without a doubt that that object is still within our airspace. How come this hasn't been relayed to the public, if, if you know it, and I'm not taking anything away from your expertise or your personal one-on-one -on -one experience, if you can have this evidence, do you think that the military has this evidence? And if so, how come they haven't done anything about it? Well, I, I um, started documenting objects with this particular piece of technology I created in 2017, and I submitted my data to um, contacts at the Pentagon. And they compared my material to the material from the USS Nimitz, which was uh, 480p uh, forward-looking infrared. 40, 480p is a little uh, smaller digital resolution than, than Ultra HD 4K. And the Pentagon told me that my materials in Ultra HD 4K did not have the definition as the 480p FLIR. So immediately I knew that there was a, there was a problem with those people who we think are going to give us the information we need concerning extraterrestrial objects or UFOs within our airspace that are in the U.S. military, most of those people are not going to do that. And the people I dealt with were U.S. Air Force, not U.S. Navy. So it was interesting to me um, how it seems to be a competitive thing. And, you know, here here's the material from the from the Nimitz, and here's the material that I generate, and the material I'm generating are showing these Tic Tac objects in full color infrared, inclusive of the energy signatures that these objects put off, clearly showing them, clearly, mind you. And here is an individual in the Pentagon telling me that this clarity was not enough to at least offset or be comparative to the material submitted by the U.S. Navy. All right, here you are, a young man of five years old. You have contact. And over the years, you've continued to, to amass evidence to support of it. the thought yes. and the theory and your proof and your claims that E.T. is real. Why do you think that the government, just not the government of the United States, but the government of Canada and the rest of the free world and even the Russians are suppressing this information? Well, you know, it's interesting. I don't know if it's suppression or overlooking, because clearly I, I, I looked up the possibilities of the objects that I was imaging, and mm -hmm. each of them, inclusive this streak of light, which initially um, was documented by um, Grumman, and then again by the pilot of Flight 1628 over Alaska, which he described as a massive a band of light in the right. sky, which he said is much larger than any aircraft he'd ever seen before, larger than an aircraft carrier, in fact. And here they've got this evidence, mm -hmm. and, and now we have the evidence in Ultra HD 4K. But the problem seems to be more political than the fact that we have the documentation associated to it, because they want to select who they want to be the first to say that these objects are here. And it's quite interesting that most of the people who are doing this UFO research haven't got a shred of evidence, nor have they conducted UFO research at a scientific level. And I mean scientific level in the sense that 
here I'm talking to you about um, a Hubble lens, a Hubble technology that I created, and here I'm showing you the samples associated to the Hubble lens that I created. And there's facts associated to that, but they don't want to see that. They want to overlook that data and, and continue to look elsewhere, regardless to the fact that the fact that the matter does indeed exist. What is your opinion on the U.S. Army going or contracting Tom DeLong and his group? Um, political, again, because, um, you know, Tom is on my Facebook page and we're friends, mm -hmm. and, and I looked at the material that they're presenting, and the material that they're presenting is indeed the 480p materials that were submitted by the U.S. Navy, and, and I thank them for that because that material does indeed substantiate my findings. But again, you know, even though he's on my page, he overlooks my data. Now, All of them do. There are those within the military and outside the military and several UFO investigators who are now saying that what we were witnessing with the, with the Nimitz uh, video footage was an American experimental craft testing the U.S. Navy. Well, you know, that's highly improbable in, in the sense that, first of all, mm -hmm. I've got samples taken by the Russians during the Phobos um, Martian um, pro program right, that yeah. they were undertaking in the nineteen eighties, and the material that the Phobos probe documented were these massive streaks of light, which looked like cylinders. And those cylinders are in our airspace now. And I doubt very seriously that that is U.S. made technology. Right, I agree. I doubt with it you. very seriously. Mm -hmm. Doubt it. It's a doubt. And there, it's all conjecture based on these people because they want to believe that America has the technology and that could be a possible ruse in a sense to make people think they have space superiority, but the fact of the matter is we don't have that kind of technology at all. And I've seen objects like a massive tube much larger than an aircraft carrier fly by and disappear behind a cloud. Visually, I saw this. And I know that couldn't possibly be anything human-made at all. When did we you don't have that. When did you see this 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 object that was bigger than an aircraft carrier with your own eyes uh, disappear behind three a cloud. Month, three months ago when my cameras documented it. It was a, the same tube-like object that I mm. documented in Washington, D.C. airspace, 105 in 2017. All right, listen, you and I have to take our first commercial break. Great having you with us again, Wilbur, and uh, thanks for taking time out of your busy day to join us. Thank you. Nation. our guest this hour is Wilbur Allen. If you'd like to follow him on Facebook, www.facebook.com forward slash UFODC. And Wilbur and I will return on the other side of this commercial break as we continue here in the X-Zone with yours truly, Rob McConnell, from our broadcast center and studios in Crystal Beach, Ontario. Don't forget, if you'd like to find out all about all the programming we have available for you, 724-365 on the X-Zone broadcast network, visit www.xzbn.net. We'll be back on the other side of this very short break. Don't go away.
Welcome back, everyone. Uh, Wilbur Allen is my special guest, www.facebook.com forward slash UFODC. Wilbur, based on the evidence and the research that you've been conducting as, as a, an engineer as well as an inventor, when you look back in time at the Roswell event, where does the Roswell event fit into the world of ufology today? It is indeed um, a mystery, and, and it, it shows without a doubt mm-hmm. the U.S. government concealing evidence in terms of extraterrestrial visitations, because during Roswell, the event did indeed happen, and they sent a crew of U.S. military personnel to collect every piece of debris that that spacecraft generated as it hit the ground. So all that evidence was collected, but it was also concealed and buried. So with, with that in mind, you know, it makes you think, indeed, there's something that our government is concealing in the fact that there is a very strong possibility that uh, we have always been in bed with extraterrestrials. In your opinion, once again, do these ETs pose a threat to humanity or national security? I have to say no, because most and all of the encounters that I experienced from childhood and to this day have not been hostile. In fact, they've been absolutely enlightening in the sense that it showed possibilities that once were thought to be theoretical to be in actuality and reality. So, um, no, there's no threat, to, in my opinion, based on my experience, that these objects are hostile in any, in any way, shape, or form. Have you had physical contact with your ET uh, visitors since the age of five? Um, in 2015, mm-hmm. I woke up, and I was not in my bed, nor was I home. And um, I woke up in a place where there was absolutely no light, but yet I was illuminated from some form of light, which I could not find or locate, and I could see myself clearly illuminated. Right. And then I went back, knocked out somehow, and woke back up on a, on a medical gurney of some sort with a group of extraterrestrials looking down at me as if this was some kind of medical procedure in a a medical school, and that was in 2015. That was the last time I made contact with these things, physically contact. When we hear stories like Betty and Barney Hill's uh, abduction, Travis Walton, Fire in the Sky, and his abduction, how close are their stories to your own? Betty and Barney Hill um, took photographs of their objects, and a lot of that photographic material that was submitted by Betty Hill was dismissed as as, um, lab errors or development errors, Mm -hmm. and the materials that Betty took in terms of images were 100% consistent with the close encounter that I had at the U.S. Capitol building July 16, 2002. They were 100% consistent with them. How about uh, Travis Walton's uh, experience? Travis, I was um, not really familiar with the type of craft that abducted Travis, but mm-hmm. indeed, based on the evidence that I do have in terms of the overall description of what Travis described as the object that pursued him, it is 100% consistent with the objects I'm documenting right now. Where are these crafts from? Do you have any idea? I have no idea, but in most of the samples that I'm able to generate is mm-hmm. specifically at 470 nanometers, which is an infrared. It clearly shows that these objects do not fly into the airspace they materialize into it. So they're using um, quantum teleportation technology to transport 
large spacecraft into our airspace. And again, based on my footage, these objects don't fly in. They materialize into the airspace. Could they be interdimensional? That's a very strong possibility. Hmm. When do you think they're going to make contact, mass contact? I, not to, once again, taking nothing away from your experience or the experience of Betty and Barney Hill or I, Travis Walton or anyone else. I, I have to say they already made contact, but the, the governments that did make contact with these advanced beings are not going to tell us about that, but they're oh. already here. But why not? Based on my data, yeah. based on my data and the number of objects that I get on a nightly basis, I can clearly assume that they have a base here within my vicinity. Clearly. Do you think the governments of the world are working with these ET visitors? Absolutely, for the technology. And they're giving them leeway, like um, on the nights that I documented objects in Washington, D.C., how mysteriously people vanished simultaneously while documenting these objects. People vanished without a trace, and there's no trace of these people today based on the evidence that I was able to gather in Washington, D.C. So there's a very strong possibility they're coming here, mm -hmm. taking the people, and that's the end of the story. Whatever they do with the people while they're on board that spacecraft, God only knows. It, this is something that's always puzzled me. You know, if they take, let's say, five or ten people and they do the experimentation and they extract and they work on the DNA and the other bodily fluids, I could under, you know, this is going to sound crazy. I could understand them investigating who, what, when, where, why we are, but to continuously abduct people, abduct cattle and other forms of life. Something doesn't make sense with that. Like, wouldn't they be able to establish the patterns and all the marks they need by the people that they've already abducted, as well as all the animals they've abducted? Here's, here's the problem. Okay. And, and again, I'm going to mention 105-2017, the night I documented this massive aircraft carrier tic-tac object. Massive. Right. When I say massive, this thing was big. And 105, 2017, 27 people mysteriously vanished. Mysteriously vanished without a trace. And what's interesting is their cell phone signatures all mysteriously vanished simultaneously. But no connection was made to that. How could 27 people and their cell phone signatures mm -hmm. all vanish within the same time frame? That's a physical impossibility. It also would indicate that there's possible errors within the cell phone network, which there are not. And when you take your battery out of your cell phone, your cell phone is still going to tell you where people are, where these people are. But in this case, when these people vanished oh. and their cell phone signatures vanished, there was absolutely no trace of them. Zero how, trace. How can the cell phone actually ping a tower if there's no battery in it? Because inside the cell phone is a capacitor which has a charge which maintains the clock. Mm. And you know you can take your battery out of your phone and put your battery... Yeah. Back True. in the phone 30 days later, and your clock is still accurate. Right. Okay, so where does this capacitor get the energy to keep on pinging? When the phone is charged initially, it's part of the circuitry of the phone. Ah. And that's how the uh, investigators, or like the FBI, are able to trace people based on their cell phone signatures from the pinger associated to the phone. I understand But now. in this case, mm -hmm. there are no pingers for these people that vanish. They're gone. Poof, disappear. Poof, just like that. But how come, Wilbur, the media doesn't pick this up and, and well, try and add the pieces to the puzzle like you're doing? Well, interestingly enough, and, and in fact that, that I was doing this documentation in Washington, D.C., which mm -hmm. is predominantly African-American, and in this case, 
the 27 people that vanished were all African-American. And when you look at the statistics associated with the missing people, and the bulk majority of them mm-hmm. are black, in essence, in essentially from racial or- origins, they're non-essential people and not considered you know, wow. worthy of further research. And, and that's basically how um, African-Americans are treated in the United States. So am I to understand by that example in that statement that even the ETs do not value the the life of African Americans? Well, there's a very there's something you have to look at, and, and I, I made this connection um, several years mm-hmm. ago. When when you eat turkey or chicken, what is the most tender meat on the turkey and chicken? It's the dark meat, is it not? I had an African-American girlfriend. She was absolutely soft, like a gummy bear. Wow. And there's a very strong possibility that they're taken because they're easier to consume. Okay, so so hold on here, hold on here, hold on here. We've gone from experimentation of of human beings to actually being dinner? Eaten. Wow. Yes. If they are here and... People are disappearing because the aliens are eating them. How come nobody's doing anything about it? I cannot answer that question because, you know, I I submitted my information to the Washington, D.C. Metropolitan, D.C. Police Department. And they scoffed. They scoffed at the evidence. However, there were police officers telling me while they were on duty, they were seeing objects that were definitely not from Earth. And when they would call their supervisors to tell them what they were seeing, that the supervisors would ridicule them. Hmm. So it's interesting that, that, you know, the people who would say um, they fear talking about UFOs because it would damage their credibility or things of that nature, it still exists. They're being threatened with, you know, loss of job, loss of pension for talking about objects that they see while they're on duty. Interestingly enough, on July 26th, uh, 2002, when I had my close encounter at the U.S. Capitol building, there were U.S. Capitol police officers on duty which reported the same thing, and their duty sergeants dismissed their reports. However, when I submitted my visual data associated to that, the duty sergeant changed their opinions. So we know without a doubt that once a person sees an object and they report it, that they fear the possibility of the ridicule, they fear the possibility of losing their job and the credibility associated with making a claim that they can't substantiate without evidence, then you deal with that ridicule and you you have issues that would force a person not to speak to the matter that they've dealt with anything that was abstract or anomalous in their life. Wilbur, stand by. We've got to take our news break at the bottom of the hour. Explanation, our guest this hour is Wilbur Allen, and his Facebook page is www.facebook.com forward slash UFODC. Ah, imagine going into a restaurant on another planet saying, well, what would you like? Oh, give me a bottle of Chardonnay and two humans to go, please. Oh, wow. You and I have got more to talk about, my friend. Please stand by. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell. Don't you dare go away.
back, everyone. Uh, this is a, uh, a very interesting but strange conversation I'm having with my guest this hour, Wilbur Allen. We've had the pleasure of having Wilbur on the show before. His website is facebook.com forward slash UFO DC. Now, before we get back to Wilbur, just like to remind everyone that the Exxon TV show is available on the Exxon TV channel on Simul TV. And now Simul TV is on Roku as well. So there you go, www.simultv.com, and the Exxon TV channel is 724-365. Well, before we went to the break, we were just talking about how people uh, are, you know, you believe that people are being used as nutrition, or the aliens are eating them. Now, this brings into mind uh, Dr. Stephen Kelly, who I had on the show a couple of months ago. And he was saying that beneath the Getty Museum in uh, California, it's, there's an underground base there. And a lot of the people who are being kidnapped or who are going missing throughout the United States are actually being brought there because what is underneath the, the Getty Museum, according to him, is a UFO base. And the, the runaways are being used for alien slurry. And that just coincides with what you were saying. You know, when we, we're, we're talking about things that, that um, people overlook. And mm-hmm. when you start talking missing people, yeah. where do they go? Think yeah. about that. They're missing. Where did they go? There's no trace of them. Where did they go? Obviously, of those people that were missing, I would say, and we're talking about the current people, not, right. not people from the past because now we're in the day of the cell phone. Mm-hmm. And most of the people that went missing would have a cell phone. Why is it they can't be tracked based on their cell phone? Because their cell phone was shielded. Think about that. Yeah, well, I've got a better question. With all these people that are going missing, that law enforcement are coming across with dead ends, why do they not listen to people like yourself? Like, you're not a crackpot. You know, you're, you're an engineer, for goodness sake. You're an inventor. We're, you work- we're, we're, we're in a drug epidemic. And, you know, and, and a lot of the people they, they consider missing, they consider mm-hmm. either runaways, drug addicts, you right. know, uh, prostitutes, whatever the case may be. They, they've been already categorized. So when they go missing, there's no priority to look for them. Well, wait a sec. You know, because- as, a, as a former police officer myself, when there was a missing person, it took priority. Not 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 based on on racial demographics. You, True. you look at you look at the amount of of African Americans mm-hmm. that go missing in the United States. It's a large percentage wow. compared to all the other ethnicity that's that's in the poll of being abducted or or missing. And and it it is not even a mention that that the broad majority of the missing in the United States are African American. And that is so wrong. It, it is obviously wrong, but yeah. you see how things are in this country. It is politically polarized. Wow. Yeah, you know, you're opening up a lot of eyes out there tonight around the world, my friend. People are going to be talking about what you, what you and I are talking about tonight, tomorrow. They're going to be spreading the word. They're going to be spreading your link. Because what you're saying is that an alien invasion is already underway and 
the occupants of this planet are the main course for the visitors. Obviously. That is shocking. Unless, unless, unless we have proof otherwise. Right. And the proof otherwise would be they come back and, and they're not reported missing. But that's not the case. They don't come back. Then how come people like Travis Walton come back? Uh, Betty and Barney Hill, they were returned. Um, it's, it maybe is a different agenda, and it, it may be a completely different extraterrestrial. But oh. the fact of the matter is that, you know, I was, I was visited by extraterrestrials, and I'm constantly being visited by these mm-hmm. things. But they're not taking me, like, away. They put me back. So, you know, there's a difference and, and in sense that what I'm dealing with I know that they're monitoring me, and I know they're not hostile because I don't have any physical harm that's ever been associated to any of the abductions that I've dealt with as a child. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. So how many different species of ETs do you estimate there to be on this planet at any given time? From from what I'm gathering, mm-hmm. and, you know, you look at some of these beings, and you can't differentiate them from us, other than their atomic structure is obviously different than ours, then I would say there could be an infinite variety of extraterrestrials which all have the same consistencies of of a human that could be on this planet right now and living right next to us, and we would know these people are aliens. Once again, once again, brings another guest I've had on the show many times, Charles Hall. I don't know if you know Charles and his wife, Mary. Uh, He used to be a meteorologist at Area 52, not Area 51, but Area 52. And according to Charles, who was a sergeant in the United States Air Force, Area 52 was used as a bus stop for ET travel. And there were many times that he would, he claims to have taken ETs into Las Vegas, and they all blended in because they looked alike. Yep. You can't tell. Just like when we look at the Bible and the people in the Bible who lived two, three hundred years, right. people who could touch things and make things turn into something else, mm-hmm. their atomic structure was not like ours. So that would also apply to the Greek gods like Hercules? Ab- absolutely, absolutely. You look, at, you look at the megaliths and, right. and the intricate structures mm-hmm. and the carvings associated to those structures which looked like they were generated in a 3D printer. Yeah. Something obviously impossible for a human to do. And that technology did indeed exist thousands of years ago. And excuse me, I did not mean Hercules, I meant Zeus. And Hercules was, yes. the, was the offspring. And once again, does, does this play into biblical times when the Bible talks about the Nephilim, those who descended from the skies and, and uh, basically yes. had sex with the women of Earth? Yes, it's exactly what we're talking about. And the giants, which they've eliminated traces of. Fascinating. Truly fascinating. Where do you think the field of ufology is going? It's it's hard to say because now now it's becoming more open and Mm -hmm. there are more people with, you know, their little cell phones and little cameras documenting things and it's becoming more and more constant. Constant in the sense that what people are documenting, each one of them is documenting the same thing. So we have physical evidence associated to that. And with the physical evidence, it becomes something else. But we're still dealing with governments that are 
let's just say, not so forthcoming with their information associated to what they've been dealing with, because they would rather keep people in the dark for the possibility that the knowledge of knowing extraterrestrials are here would destabilize the governments of our nations. Has your research put any credibility or authenticity to the MJ-12 papers? Um, you know, I looked at some of that material, and you have to keep in mind what they were discussing was obviously way beyond what most people would normally deal with mm -hmm. on, a, on a conventional basis in that day, and that the objects that I'm getting are definitely consistent with the reports in the MJ-12 um, materials. But the problem is, in, in those days, they didn't have the technology to do a thorough or adequate documentation of the objects that they were discussing. Right. And you notice on all of the reports of the past that the, the samples or um, materials that they would present would be uh, drawings from the people who would draw the objects that they saw versus right. a photograph or you know something not quite that would be considered uh, forensic documentation. They don't have that, but they do have reports associated with that, which is interesting. But the technology did not exist to document these things adequately. In fact, the governments do not have the technology to document these objects adequately. So we're dealing with something that is, as Stanton Friedman would say, in the gray zone. But here we are in the year 2019. We're going into 2020. You would think that with... All this new technology that is available to the public, I'm sure the military and uh, the governments have access to much, much more sophisticated technology. Well, consumer technology and, and scientific technology are in two different departments. Right. The technology I utilize is in the scientific department. And, okay. and the technology that I created is obviously based mm -hmm. on NASA Hubble technology. NASA Hubble if you're familiar with photography, yeah. NASA Hubble is ISO 1600, which, you know, in the early days, if you're familiar with film, film technology was ISO 400, ISO 800, ISO 1600. So we're talking about 1980s, 1970s level of technology. While the application that I'm using is Hubble at ISO 4 million, and Whoa. I'm shooting 60 frames per second at Ultra HD 4K. And when you look at a Hubble photograph that Hubble NASA presents to the public, that those photographs that the telescope takes would take up to 15 to 20 days to expose. So you're not necessarily looking at an actuality. What you're looking at is an extended exposure and the realities of the matter, that this 20-day exposure actually enhanced what this telescope was looking at in terms of if you know anything about an extended photograph or time exposure. Yeah, Wilbur, please stand by. We've got to take our final break. When we come back, we're going to be wrapping up this hour with Wilbur Allen. His uh, Facebook page is www.facebook.com forward slash UFODC. I'm Rob McConnell. This is the Exxon. We're coming to you from our broadcast center and studios in Crystal Beach, Ontario, Canada, and you're watching us on the Exxon TV channel on Simul TV, simultv.com.
And welcome back. Wilbur Allen is our special guest of this hour, www.facebook.com forward slash UFODC is his Facebook page. And first of all, Wilbur, always great having you on the show. Thank you for joining us today. And Thank you for having me. How come we don't hear as many cases about cattle mutilation and alien abductions anymore? Um, on that first one, you do hear cases of cattle mutilation. In fact, two weeks ago, they've been posting materials of cattle that were mutilated. I forgot the name of the ranch, but they've mm-hmm. got photographic evidence of cows without genitals, without eyes, and no blood laying stiff as a board on wow. the ground. So that's still happening. But in terms of humans being picked up and mutilated, there have been no reports associated to that that they would make public, even though there is a very strong possibility that that is indeed happening. So we're talking about the cloak of secrecy again. It's indeed a, a need-to-know subject with most of these politicians that who that do know about what's happening, but they don't want the fear of what's happening to permeate through society. When that fear permeates through society, they lose all control of whatever control they have on these people altogether. They lose control of it. So what do you think the final result is going to be? Because if they're... If these ETs are, are, are taking citizens of this planet and making them into a, a three-course meal, where, is, where does it stop? Do they keep ingesting it, us? or it, Something's got to happen here. It's hard to say because it, it, it may be an agreement that the government's made with these entities that, you know, for the exchange of technology that they can consume people so i mean there's there's things you have to look mm. at i mean there's there's collusion there and and the way politicians are running things these days i wouldn't be a bit surprised if if a number of them are not in bed with extraterrestrials metaphorically i hope absolutely <laughs> so what are you going to be up to next you know are, uh, you know what's your next investigation going to be are you going to be continuing uh, focusing the uh, investigation into the skies over where you live I am definitely doing that, but I'm also upgrading the technology, which within a couple of months from now, what I'm going to make is going to make this Hubble lens that I have look like kids play. Wow. But, you know, I ask anybody who's out there who's listening to the show, if they can, take the minute to Google the Band of Life UFO 2, the number 2, and take a look at the data associated to that page. On a nightly basis, I get the same object in the same place in the sky nightly. What is this object, based on your experience, that you keep seeing the same place? It's, it, is, it is this streak of light. It's the same streak of light that I documented when I was in Area 51 in 2012. It's the same streak of light that instructed me to film it in Sedona, Arizona, two weeks later in 2012. It's the same object Edgar Mitchell documented on the lunar surface during Apollo 14. It's a streak of light. And this streak of light is a spacecraft. That's possibly five to seven miles long. It's a massive spacecraft. Now, a spacecraft that's five to seven miles long yes. should not be hard for amateur People astronomers to see. to see. Yeah, and, and they are seeing it. There, there was one. I wouldn't call them amateur photographers. The European Space Agency's telescope documented the object in mm. space, and twenty-four hours later, my telescope documented the same object in our airspace. So we have documentation from two different sources showing without a doubt this one particular object, which is a streak of light in space, 
is indeed in our airspace as we speak. All right, based on your estimations, it being six to seven miles long, how high do you think it is? My, my telescope is focused anywhere from 50 to 450 miles in inner space. And, and keep in mind, satellites are in orbit at 350 miles, so I'm not going beyond the atmosphere, but we're talking about specifically inner space. Hmm. And the fact that the samples that I get have no optical distortions clearly indicates without a doubt they're not in the outer atmosphere. If they were in the outer atmosphere, we wouldn't see them as clearly as you do with the data that I'm generating. It indicates without a doubt that they're inside the atmosphere, not in outer space. So could we say that these are obs- uh, observation ships that the aliens have in orbit? I, I have to say so because it is the same craft documented by Grumman that was monitoring Project Echo in 1960. What do you think um, Kenneth Arnold saw? I am not sure. No, I am not sure. So it, it could be anything. I mean, with, with the abstract objects that I'm documenting now, mm-hmm. sky's the limit with weirdness. And I can say without a doubt that what I'm imaging now is definitely not man-made. Do they have any specific shape? Do they look like a craft that, that have been drawn by witnesses or even f- uh, photographed by no. other no they I'm... look like they look like do you know what a straight pin looks like when you get well, sore, sure. when yeah. they so close and you get a straight yeah. pin yeah. out of a, a straight right. pin they look exactly like a straight pin a tip and then a blunt back where the energy comes out of it for propulsion it's, it looks like a spear wow. essentially that is strange all this information that you're obtaining is known by the powers to be. Yes. And they're do- they're doing nothing about it because they may be in collusion with the ETs. There is a very strong possibility that that is indeed the case. So but how- they can't tell me to be quiet because I'm not I have no, you know, when I after I left the White House mm-hmm. 18.5 years in the White House that was it. I have no um, pension associated to that. I've nothing that they they can take away from me. There's nothing they can do to stop the fact. Here, Ronald Reagan was talking about extraterrestrials while he was yeah, in office. Right. And here I'm documenting the very things that he was talking about. Mm-hmm. So they cannot say that I'm doing something that's, um, you know, against national security or anything like that. This, this has nothing to do with national security because these things come in here regardless of the fact that we have a secure airspace. And they're coming in unannounced. And they're coming in using technology which... They're not known until they show up. You don't see them. You know, the military was talking about how they would ghost on radar, and they would be there, and then they wouldn't be there, and then they would be there, and they wouldn't be there. Once they're here, you can see them, but once they go into their transport mode, they completely disappear. They're not detectable. They can show up and be anywhere at any given point in time, and you wouldn't know it. Would that be like the Klingon cloaking device? Exactly like the Klingon cloaking device. How can citizens of Earth protect themselves from these ETs if they are, in fact, taking humans and uh, turning them into, you know, three-course meals? Nothing we can do about it. Is there any way that we can detect these ETs? Um, It is not something that I think that they have the capability of detecting because once they are in in our airspace, they cannot be detected. Mm. 
in your in your opinion, in your opinion, do we have the technology to disable their crafts if need be? I don't think so. I don't think so at all. But during during Roswell, mm-hmm. when they were experimenting with radar, that disrupted their propulsion systems, and that's how they were able to bring some of those crafts down. But other than that, I would think that as things advanced over a course of time, that their technology also advanced, and they made improvements to whatever systems they had that would be impervious to anything that we have. We've got about two minutes left uh, in this hour, Wilbur. What are your final thoughts for the listeners of the Exxon Nation around the world tonight? Just be prepared for things to come, and they're here. I mean, they're going to be more obvious um, shortly. Hmm. Just before we go, the Tales of Atlantis, the Tales of the Bermuda Triangle. Is there a connection between the myth, the legend, and the ET presence? Um, There is indeed. NASA did a research study on the effects of deviations in the magnetic field associated to the Bermuda Triangle Mm -hmm. and the uh, the Alaska Triangle, which is at the North Pole. And that at the Bermuda Triangle, where the convergence of the magnetic fields, north and south poles meet, and there is no magnetic field at all in that center, that's where these things were happening, these portals were appearing. But my data indicates that these extraterrestrials have technology which allows them to generate portals anywhere, self-generated. Final question for the night. If there was a time when two countries hit the red button, missiles were launched, the destruction of this planet was going to be, is it was eminent. Would the ET step in? I believe so. I believe so because we see for a fact that during Fukushima, for example, right. there were anomalies which they will not discuss, which were spheres which showed up over that nuclear reactor. Quickly, let our listeners know how they can find out more about you, and if they have information they'd like to share with you, how could they do so? Um, they can contact it, me via my email address, which is ufodc at aol.com, or they can contact me at Facebook. And once again, his Facebook page is www.facebook.com forward slash ufodc. Wilbert, as always, great pleasure talking to you. Thank you very much for sharing your time, and I look forward to the next time you join us back here in the Exxon. Thank you for having me, Rob. Have a great night. You too, my friend. And Exonation, once again, if you'd like to uh, get more information about Wilbur, his Facebook page is www.facebook.com forward slash UFODC. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news at six and a half minutes past the hour as the Exxon continues here from our broadcast center and studios in Crystal Beach, Ontario, Canada on the Exxon Broadcast Network, Mutual Broadcast Network, Talkstar Radio Network, and our good friends on Simul TV on the Exxon TV channel. I'm Rob McConnell. Don't go away.